Today on the show, we discuss philosophies and plans, and also eat space cocoa puffs with blue space milk. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and themes behind some of our favorite universes. I'm Kevin. I'm Jaden, but uh, I would like to request to be called Prefect Jaden. Oh, <laughs> changing your name like every episode it's, now. It's really important to me. <laughs> well, uh, this episode was uh, episode five of Andor, and we have a lot of thoughts. It was pretty quick, so the, hopefully this episode's pretty quick. Um, yep. I, I will say uh, it, it, it was like polarizing and goofiness, in my opinion, for some stuff. But then also it was, you know, back and forth with seriousness. I, I think I said this to you when we were writing the script, but I feel like this episode and the previous episode could have been smooshed together. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would have saved a little bit of time. Uh, this definitely was like a setup episode. Gotcha. I have a feeling that the next episode is going to be an absolute banger. Oh, yeah. Like the actual heist itself is going to be amazing. Yep. But I feel like we could have we could have short, shortened this one down a little bit, stuffed it in with the other one. It would have been great. But yeah. uh, I I get they're trying to they're setting up I think for the rest of the season. So which is why when we're going to talk about a couple of things in this episode. We're going to go back to them and be like, hey, this was kind of boring, but it'll be interesting <laughs> in like two episodes. Looking at you, ISB storyline. <laughs> well, hopefully this episode is not boring for you guys. Uh, like we normally do, we're going to go through that uh, episode. We're going to do a brief synopsis, coverage, and everything, and a little bit of analysis, and then we're going to get right into it and give you guys all of our thoughts. Absolutely. And you know what? We would love to hear from you. We love hearing from our listeners, so please email us at podcast at loreparty.com with your thoughts and questions. You might just see them appear in a future episode. You can find Kevin at In The Loop on Twitter. That's I-N underscore the underscore L-U-P-E because he hates real words. <laughs> my last name. It's a pun on my last name. <laughs> and you can find him at K underscore L-O-O-P-Z at Twitch and Instagram. See, that one makes more sense. Yeah, it's a Z for Twitch, S for Instagram. And there you, you can, go. Yep. And you can find Jaden here, Mr. Jad J at M-R-J-A-D-J-A-Y on Instagram and on Twitter. I give you crap about your your handle and mine's just a weird hodgepodge. <laughs> yeah, right? What the hell? What gives? And of course, you can connect with the Lore Party team on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Lore underscore party. Now, before we get into this episode, first off, spoiler warning, uh, this is episode five. So if you're just jumping into this right now, I suggest... You don't do that. I suggest you watch the other episodes, listen to the episodes we put out, and then, you know, come on down. Take a listen. Um, Before we get into it, we're going to do a little bit of an ad, and then we're going to just jump right in. So you got plenty of time to pause this and then, you know, come back. All right, you've officially been warned. So let's get into the episode. We first begin with uh, Kevin's favorite character, Karn, former yeah. Inspector Karn, who has now been reduced to uh, Citizen Mommy's Boy Karn, sitting at home, 
eating blue cereal with blue milk and being grilled by his mother asking him like, so do you have any prospects? Do you have anything going on? And he's like, clearly I don't, mom. I'm here. So she goes, don't worry. I'll call Uncle Harlow. I want to know who this Harlow guy is because for me, it sounds like really familiar. I don't know why, but like I have a feeling like this dude is like, I feel like we have seen him somewhere. Oh, I bet you they're going to retcon and so he's like one of the guys, you know, like in the, the Death Star council room or whatever during yeah. A New Hope. Like, oh, look, see, there he is. That's that guy right there in the okay. corner. Yeah. I don't know. The whole Uncle Harlow thing, just I kept thinking about it. I'm like, why does the name sound familiar? Why does something, I feel like this is a big deal, this guy or whatever. I don't know. I'm just speculating on that. But this whole scene was kind of weird. Um, I think weird in terms of I felt awkward watching it. Just because I felt really, <laughs> I felt awkward for Karn. It gives, well, his mom's a weirdo, man. No, his mom's just that typical overbearing mother. You know, he's, eh. it, it, anyone who's, anyone who's ever screwed up at work and had to come home and talk to their mom about it understands what he was going through. I just like that she gave him the blue milk and the cereal. Cause like, I bet that was what he ate every single day oh, for yeah. breakfast when oh, he yeah. was living with her. And now he doesn't eat that. It felt kind of like power hungry, though, like she had like Game of Thronesy. It felt like she was like this guy. I'm going to live vicariously through my kid and I'm going to make him this like all powerful person. And, you know, she has plans for him and the family. And like, I don't know, it felt it, it, it felt really like ambitious, that type of talk for me, like the way she goes about it. So after this scene, we cut back to Clem who wakes up to find his bags are missing. Clearly, he's not happy about it. Uh, Skeen is outside and took it. He's going through all of Clem's stuff. Notices a blaster that's kind of expensive, and he doesn't have a shirt on, and uh, he has got tattoos and stuff on him that all represent a different, um, like, battle organization, something, you know, uh, that he went through because of the empire and that kind of shit. Um, and and my favorite my favorite thing is he took his shirt off to to look through the guy's stuff. Like, all right, let me get comfortable while yeah. I <laughs> rifle through this man's belongings. Yeah, right. And and what's what's interesting too. So Clem runs up and is like, "Yo, what gives?" And then they just kind of start going back and forth, um, quizzing each other on like how bad they had it. <laughs> like, uh, you sure yep. you had it that bad? Like, I don't know. And like the the, the discussion on Ske- on Skeen's tattoos, uh, it seems to be, you know, from Clone Wars era kind of stuff. Um, but clearly they don't trust each other rather than just Skeen doesn't trust him. It's Clem does not trust this guy. And I think it's yeah. very obvious that the two of them well, are having issues. Well, uh, if anyone here has ever played the classic video game Among Us. You know that everyone is sus. Yeah, seriously. And I think that they're just sussing each other out because they think, they both think they're the imposter. They're both like, well, you're going to betray us. Skeen's like, you're going to betray us. You're this guy who just shows up out of nowhere. Whereas Clem's like, how do I know you're not just setting me up to be the guy who, who's, you know, the fall guy for the betrayal? But like, they're not saying it. They're just kind of like, it's like subtle now. It, kinda, it comes to a head later in the episode, but like, man, they are just dancing around this. Who's the imperial imposter? Yes, exactly. And Clem, you know, during this conversation, he's also questioning, like, the motives of a bunch of the other members of the team. And it's it's so funny because Skeen just basically tells him, like, 
Listen, everyone here has been vetted. I've been with them for months. It's just you that I don't know. Everyone here is ready and committed for this mission. You're the only X Factor that we have. And, like, think about that, though. He's not wrong. He has perfect, you know, reasoning yeah. to be sus of Clem. I get it. Which the best part is, like, you know, people listening to the podcast uh, who aren't who didn't pay much attention is going to be like, who the hell is Clem? Because that's what we're all we're calling him. It's Andor. The no, show is no. called Andor, but there's no Andor guy. That is his name for the next three days. Remember? Yep. Yep. So we are respecting that. We are respecting Luthan's orders. Now back on Coruscant, we see Mom Mothma, a.k.a. Senator Mothma, and she's in her beautiful house that I want so badly. For those who play, <laughs> it, it was bothering me a lot the last couple of days. I don't know. It was. I was like, why does this house look familiar? For those who play Magic the Gathering, think like the Neon Dynasty stuff that came out earlier this year. That is perfectly describes the house. It's like this futuristic kind of like Japanese architecture. And it it's so cool. I love this house. I It just sucks that there's a bunch of assholes living there. Uh, I was about to say. <laughs> literally. Turns out that it turns out that being an asshole is hereditary. Yeah, pretty much. So she's in another domestic duel with her husband arguing. And then her daughter comes in and they're arguing. Uh, her husband pretty much seemingly convinced uh, that Mon Mothma just doesn't care about her. Like he, he's worked it into their daughter like yeah your mom doesn't give a shit about you i'm the cool dad and uh your mom's just this powerful woman who you know is a piece of shit it's all for appearances yeah that's the only reason why she wants to hang out with you a bunch of toxic masculinity bullshit this guy's an asshole um and clearly feels you know lesser because of his wife so like first he, off he definitely fuck. like yeah he's the stay-at-home dad so like he, he doesn't seem like he has anything of his own going on but like he's married to you know a very powerful senator who's like you know, fighting the good fight uh, against the Empire from the Senate, and I think he resents that he's not as famous as she is. Oh my God, get over it, asshole! I—that's I, just bullshit. I this guy's a dick. I don't like him. I think it would be great if he died. That's all I'm just gonna say. Um, he's just a piece of shit and argues with his wife and lets the daughter kind of just really just shit all over everything her mom's trying to do like she's like hey you're gonna go with me to this event and all this and they're like no we don't want to go because it's just for appearances you don't actually care yep. and she's sitting there like but i do care and they're like no you don't fuck you no and, you don't and and i i i am under the impression that she does uh i think she does care and i think the appearance thing does play a, pa a factor i mean she's she's a politician it does play a factor but i don't think like I don't think she's doing it to solely for appearances. I think she genuinely is like, hey, like, I don't want to go alone. Like, I want my family yep. there. And uh, yeah, it, he's just a jerk. I don't like this guy. She, I don't the, understand why she'd married him. Who knows? I, I think the whole thing is isolation. That's what they're trying to show with Mon Mothma is that this is this is during a time where she doesn't have anyone with her on her side backing her up. You know, when she's first introduced in uh, uh, Return of the Jedi, she's the head of the military. You know, she's she's a respected leader that a bunch of people are surrounded by. Right now, she's isolated and alone. Yeah. And uh, speaking of uh, of meeting people, Clem, uh, back on the planet, he gets his first taste of both Dre Milk and Nemec's political beliefs. This scene is so good. I, I know I told you this earlier. This whole scene is just one big quote that we will talk about later. Yep. Um, But yeah, they end up like questioning each other's 
thought process. They're, yeah, they're basically like, you know, ski, if there was like a Venn diagram, it's like skiing and Nemec align on like they know what they're here for. They know what they're fighting for. Whereas with Clem, he's just like he doesn't like because they, they don't know he's only there for the money. So he's just being as vague as possible, which, again, does not help him <laughs> because no. that just makes him look more sus. Yeah, it's just everything he does to try to hide the fact that he's there because he's getting paid is it's just digging a hole the whole time. And I don't understand why they would be so upset about that, by the way. That's I I don't know. I don't understand why he's so fucking bad at coming up with the story. I mean, he's doing it in episode one through three. You know, like he's he's got all these like charismatic things he's doing. I mean, like, he's he's out of his depth. Yeah, I think he's just. Sure. Yeah, I definitely think he's like nervous and he's sus of them, sus of the situation. I think he's just uh, nervous. I yeah, I think that's what it is. He's this is his, you know, this is the first. Well, he he said something about control either in this episode or the previous episode, where it's like he doesn't like the fact that he's not, you know, like the the heist that he's done previously. They've been like he's been in complete control of all the aspects of that heist, mm-hmm. whereas now someone else is giving him the planning. Yeah. Speaking of planning, Vel summons Clem right at the. Best part of the conversation, in my opinion. Vel summons Clem back to the planning hut, and they're going to discuss the transport uh, that they're going to be stealing. Turns out they don't know how to do a lot of things. Uh, They don't know how to determine the weight that the transport will be carrying, let alone pretty much start the damn thing. Um, And Clem, Clem says that the only way he goes is that he's the one who flies it out of there. He's like, no, you guys don't even know how to start this thing, figure out the weight yep. or anything. I guess, yeah, I guess the way you start the ship is like you have to determine the weight on it before it can move, which I was like, what the fuck kind of like high school calculus thing is this? Well, I think it's because this freighter is the only one. It looks, so we end up seeing it later and we'll talk about that, yep. but I think it's the only one they have or at least one of like only a couple and so it has to be precise. Otherwise, you know, it's going in tunnels, right? It's kind of like a yeah. train, but because oh, yeah, it's maybe, a train. Maybe you have to calculate the weight so it doesn't go too fast on turns. Maybe. Yeah, like I think like they have to determine like the speeds and everything uh, as well as like overall power usage and everything. Because this place is also isolated. So I just think there's a lot of factors into using this thing. And mm-hmm. it has to be precise for a reason. But also... They didn't even know how to, like, start the thing. And he explains it to them and is like, yeah, this is, like, it's a custom job. It's not going to show up on any manual. Like, you guys are not, like, thinking about, like, what the Imperials have done to anything here. Like, I I think he has infiltrated Imperial, like, you know, uh, areas before. So, yeah, for him, he expects them to be not so by the book, which is very kind of funny if you think about it because Imperials are so much about being by the book but then he notices that they do special things to make it like they they innovate they innovate you know yeah i think what it's it's uh officer versus grunt mentality i think andor has a good handle on like uh, well it's it's like um scotty from star trek you know it's like oh i told the captain it would take two hours to fix it when it would actually only take me 30 minutes yeah you know it's like like that he knows that these engineers are like i'm just gonna make the thing work so that you know lieutenant dumb stick will let me just go to play my sabbat cards yeah yeah and drink my lum 
Um, and so after this conversation happens, they go outside to like uh, a field and they like uh, they're laying out like, hey, this is, you know, the, we're, 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 this is the guard entrance. This is the dam. This is where the control tower is. He's basically pointing out to an empty field, but he's like, hey, this is what the setup is going to be. We've mapped it out perfectly. And uh, at the same time, Lieutenant Gorn, the team's man on the inside, he's preparing the actual grounds. I like this parallel. I thought it was very cool yeah. for the team's arrival. And uh, there's a more friction between Clem and this time with, uh, with, with Tremorin. I think I was saying the name right. And he's, he's like, like the guy's like just like pushing Clem around. And Clem's just like, he's like, don't touch me. Like, is, you can tell me what to do, but don't fucking push me around. All right. I'm not, I'm, I'm not someone you can just like bully into doing what you want. Which I thought was kind of weird. I mean, if you're supposed to be going into a heist, right? Yeah. Why would you be a dick? To your teammates. I understand being sus. Don't get me wrong. I can understand the whole, you know, I'm sus to this person. They he's, don't have a real he's story. He's still but like, convinced this whole thing's a fucking trap. That's what it is. He just thinks that every, like, at every corner, someone's going to, like, stab him. I guess. I mean, yeah, okay, I guess. That makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, you're right. It's stupid. He, he's he, he's just being confrontational. But, like, I guess that's his, he's not, he's not all in on the rebellion yet. So, I, well, I, you know, I meant more. Uh, Tremorin, like he's being kind oh. of a dick. He's being a little bit more respectful, I think, than scheme. Than um, scheme, but it's just, I don't know, man. Why would you be aggressive to somebody that you're trying to trust? I, it, just, it, I don't know. Just the they whole dynamic. Like, none of, of them like him. None of them want I know, him there. I know, is really I know. what it is. And I it's know. like, God, you guys are, you know, get over it. He's not leaving. <laughs> I know, right. Meanwhile, back on Ferrix, Imperial Officer Blevin is setting up a headquarters to investigate the Andor incident that happened. Uh, that Andor guy, you know, uh, Cassian. I, yeah, we haven't seen him in a bit. Some other but, guy. Yeah. Haven't seen him in a bit. His subordinate then asks if he could be called Prefect to uh, denote his status as, like, base commander, which I know you really liked that. I, it's just so fucking I love dumb. that so much. It's it just shows the imperial attitude because, like, a, uh, having prefect on his file will look really good when promotions come around. Yeah, so that's why he asks for it. And I, I love the, I love his Blevins' response is just like, I don't care if you wear a ball gown. Like, what the fuck? I don't give a shit. He's already reached this. You know, he's already reached a really high level in the imperial uh, security bureau. So he's like, I don't care. You do what you want. <laughs> Which just reinforces the whole like title is everything for these people. Not yeah. the actual job. It's like the title is everything. You could be called Darth Vader, but if you're not, you know, killing younglings or doing the actual job, it's just a title. Yeah, it's just a fucking title. He's like, he's like, like this is a backwater world where, yeah, sure, you can be prefect. I don't care. But also it shows, you know, with the title thing, that that's something where it's it's this superficial bullshit that they actually care about rather than the actual work like it's 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 interesting to see their mindset where you know this parallel with the group on aldani right they mm -hmm. don't have titles they don't have any like wild hierarchy structure and nobody cares about being in charge they care about getting the job done and getting it done correctly and then we now parallel to these other guys getting ready, these Imperials, they're getting ready for whatever they're doing on, on, on Ferrix. But to them, it's not about the job. 
It's not about doing the work. It's about, I want this title. I want people to think I'm better than, you know, I am before. And I want, and it's just, I think that shows that parallel. Again, they've become complacent where it doesn't matter uh, about the, the work per se. It matters about your image and it matters about, you know, how people see you just again with Cassian saying earlier, like they couldn't fathom someone like me coming into their house. You know, yep. you know what I mean? So yeah, it's, it's, I thought that parallel was cool. Oh, it's very cool. I mean, the, it just comes down to it. The empire, everyone who works for the empire thinks they already won. I think they're hot shit. Yeah. They're like, ah, it's, you know, what we're doing is crushing little cells. There's nothing, there's no organized resistance here. We're good. Which, which I, I love this parallel too, because back in the field, uh, the team are they're practicing marching like soldiers, and like you, you kind of see uh, four soldiers marching in unison in this previous scene, and then it cuts to them also marching in unison. Yeah, and uh, they they march up to a stop, and then Clem he actually starts to open up a little bit. He's like, "Hey, let's uh, you should you know Skeen's favors his left. You should swap to make him more effective." And the, that kind of impresses everybody. Like, oh, wow, this is, he actually knows, like, he might have, he might be onto something here. Well, first they give him shit. They're like, no, the hell are you talking about? Yeah, Who like, are you? shut up, Clem. Who are you? And yeah, <laughs> shut up, Clem. <laughs> but uh, then Vel is like, why? Why do you want that? And he says, well, if he favors his left, it makes no sense to have the blaster facing the opposite direction. And it's like tactical. It's more tactical to have both blasters facing outward. That way, each person is ready to fight when they need to, and they don't have to switch over their arm. And they're all like, what? How did you even see that subtlety in what we were doing? And I think something, there's something about that where it is, <laughs> it kind of felt uh, like sitcom, like, what is the word um kitschy like it just felt yeah. like you know like oh clem's coming out of his shell all oh, thanks man and they're all like okay we'll do it and then it, it, it just, i don't know it just felt kind of funny and then the whole thing gets interrupted with a tie fighter starting to buzz them yeah what a jerk too that guy just like Bearing. i'm curious how good are those cameras on a tie fighter that they would see all those weapons i mean they they run around and they hide the weapons and stuff. And the TIE Fighter's obviously an asshole because he flies the TIE Fighter, whoever it is, they fly the TIE Fighter really close. Kind of like, you know, um, if you're walking on a rainy day and a car drives by and they are purposely- and splashes you with a puddle. Yeah, that kind of thing. That's what this TIE Fighter pilot does. And so it was, I don't, it, we follow this TIE Fighter for a little while too. I, I think it was more of just like, hey, those shepherds shouldn't have automatic weapons. It's just another form of bullying and intimidation. That's all. Yeah. Now we follow this TIE fighter back to the dam, back to the base, as Gorn is now talking to comms officer named Kimsey. Kimsey wonders. Well, in fact, he was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I love that show and not, yeah. lo- not enough people watched it. Yeah. So Kimsey is wondering how many villagers will show up for this year's event. And they kind of keep talking back and forth. And uh, Gorn implies that there will be a pretty big crowd this year. Uh, they have this quick little conversation about the locals. I have a quote about that we'll talk about later. Um, yep. But yeah, it's a quick little thing. They discuss about how like, hey, our 
you know, are they really going to destroy all these mountains and the highlands as they were called? And Gorn's like, yeah, mm-hmm. it was discussed. And, uh, you know, they're probably gonna put the airfield there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a quote that we'll talk about later, like I said, and he just kind of says, all right, get back to your station and walks away. Yep. Make sure that you're here. Yes. He's, he's, he's been going around emphasizing to other people, like, make sure you're here. Make sure you're, you know, up here for your station. Don't leave and all that. Which, which is great. Cause like on the surface, that's just him being a, a dicky boss, but like, it's like, no, he's making sure that no one's out of place when the heist begins. So the team gets ready to head out. And Skeen and Clem are once again, like almost coming to blows because uh, Skeen goes to grab his bag again. And Clem's like, hey, you know, what are you doing? And he's like, well, man, I'm just moving your stuff. He's like, Do not touch my stuff. And while he does that, like as a precaution, he takes the uh, Sky Kyber crystal that uh, Luthen gave him and puts it around his neck so that it's not in his bag anymore. Like he's keeping that away from everybody else. And I noticed at the end, uh, you could see the little gold necklace part coming out of his mm-hmm. shirt. Now back at the ISB, Deidre and her assistant, they're kind of going over the thefts that she's been following, those patterns, and they look seemingly random, but they said this quote where it's like, it's too random to be random, and I'm like, oh, come on. Again, yeah, you're one overthinking of, this. It, it felt, again, it, it was just like that Destiny quote, you know, I don't have time to explain why I don't have time to explain. It felt lazy. I'm going to be real. It did feel kind of <laughs> lazy. But uh, they figure out, like, hey, you know, this is this is a coordinated attack. Like, there is something going on here. It doesn't feel it's made to look random, but it based on the items that are being taken and the methods, it's almost as if, like, the randomness is just where because um, everything is it's it's like it's like, you know, uh, kids next door. Right. If anybody's seen kids next door. They have all these ran- two-by-four technology, right? They have all these random yep. items that they just make into something crazy. And it almost feels like the items that are being taken are like parts and stuff that are going to become part of something more. Exactly. Back on Aldani, uh, the crew, remember that nice model that uh, the kid built? They burn it because they don't want any evidence of the, of the planning of the heist. And they begin their long journey to the base. They had that great line where they're like, for the rebellion. They're all like, yep, for the rebellion. And they are they are committed now fully. There is no turning back. They like they I don't know if you saw they they left they let the they let the Dre run around. You know they let their their space sheep go. They packed space. up all their belongings. There is no returning to this base. <laughs> space goats. After this, we go back to Karn, and now Karn's mother is telling Karn about the conversation we had with Uncle Harlow. So she she called him and was like, "Hey yo, Uncle Harlow, I need a favor." Felt very mobby. My, kid, my kid's an idiot. <laughs> I need a favor. I got this guy. I need him to, you know, I, I need you to do me a favor. Give the guy, give the kid a job, you know? And apparently it went well. Uh, she, she, she was like, hey, you know, this, this conversation went great. And, and, you know, Harlow was like, you know, I'll have to think on what position would be best for Karn. Um, and that, you know, it, it just felt really mobby to me. It felt like kind of this mom <laughs> feels very Sopranos esque. You know, she's 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 scheming for me. For me, I thought it was funny. So after this happens, um, they're you know, they're walking along the path. The team is. And, uh, you know, the whole time Vel's he's she's interrogating Clem, you know, like, hey, you know, making sure he knows the plan. And then at one point, Clem's like, hey, what about Gorn? How do we know Gorn's not going to betray us? And it's it felt like it felt like a very throwaway line, but it was such a big deal of showing why Gorn 
is part of the rebellion. It was like, she's basically like, listen, he fell in love with a local girl. And because of that, he lost his promotion. He lost the girl. Now he hates the empire. And I was like, pissed. That's, that's great. That's a great reason. That's fucking, no more needs to be said about that. That's actually great. That's common Star Wars. I mean, come on. Falling in love. It it ruins your life. All right. (laughs) That's the message George Lucas is trying to send you kids is that don't fall in love. Love is poison. Now we actually cut to Gorn, and Gorn is in the uh, base. He's in in the base, standing outside of the transport that they're going to use. Now, when I said earlier- Which is filled with credits. It's filled with credits. When I said earlier that it looked like there was only one, it really looked like there was only one. It, it was very narrow. Everything, I don't know if each, each one has its own separate track, like kind of like station, like a train station. But yep. it, it definitely looked like there was just the one transport, which also that doesn't look very efficient to me. But that's just me. Well, it's probably efficient for their for their tiny ass base. That's the other thing I was thinking about that too. It, it the base looks big on the outside, but I don't think because it's just a dam. But I also I don't know if you look at it, it looks like they have an airfield problem. They don't have like an actual airfield. They were talking about it earlier. I think this base has mostly tie fighters sitting in it waiting and the production stuff i mean it's a garrison right like they just have a bunch of stuff just sitting there so i don't think there's too much going on in this um base now gorn is organizing his men and trying to make it so the least amount of troops are going to be in the cargo area when the robbery happens when the robbery happens. But what's really funny is a group of guys come up to him and they're like requesting that they don't have to be in the room during this, like this, this storm thing, the event. They want to be out there watching it. Like a bunch of men want to like watch the, the whole event. They're like, this is posting shit, but we hear the light show is cool. Yeah. And it's, we hear that uh, the, the, the space rave is going to be great. And he's sitting there and you can see this like smirk on his face when he like turns around, like nobody sees him. And he's just like, yes, fuck yeah, I got this shit. And he like turns and he's like, but we have this, you know, this uh, engineer coming from Coruscant and, you know, this whole place has to be painted. Like, I need you guys to do all this. And they're like, oh, come on. And like, he's like, he's playing the part really well. Yeah. Oh, it was it was the best part of the episode. It was great. Where I was like, he tricked them. Yeah. Yeah. He's good. He tricks them and says, all right, fine. I want, you guys are all allowed. Everyone, I want everyone, have some fun. Enjoy the time, and then you're going to get to work, okay? Almost like he's just enticing them with the treat and being like, yeah, go. Don't worry about yep. it. And it's just, it he's is He's such perfect. a cool boss. Yeah, yeah, it is. They trust him and all that. Like, it's just, it's perfect. Great scene. I would say, yes, it's one of my favorite because it's like everything's just falling into place for him, and it's, it's great. Absolutely. And so, meanwhile, we we cut back to the group, and they've they've settled in on. Uh, they're kind of close to the base, but they're not, you know, not close enough that they would arouse suspicion. And they're setting up their camp for the night. And uh, it's this crazy scene. Skeen like walks up behind uh, Clem and sticks a knife in his fucking neck. He's like, "Move, and I'll kill you." And I was like, "Where is this coming from?" And then I noticed that he sees the Kyber crystal on Clem's neck, and he rips it off. Yeah. And he's like, see, see, I knew he was lying to us. I knew he was lying to us. And he, cause he says that great line where he goes, who brings a treasure to a robbery? <laughs> I mean, and I was like, that's a really good point. <laughs> I agree. But also like, you don't fucking know this guy. Maybe it's, you know, maybe he is a former, 
Force user, and he was he escaped from the Jedi Temple, and that's the only thing he has to remember. I don't know. I'm just making up backstories for random people here, but like you don't fucking know. But yes, I agree. No, you have no idea. I agree. And, Who and, brings a treasure? Yeah, and and so then so finally, you know, uh, Vel kind of calms everyone down, and finally Clem's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm in it for the money. All right, yep. y'all Comes wondering clean. why I was here. I am here for the cash. So please stop trying to kill me. And I think because Vel's like, yo. You shouldn't have said that, but I it I don't think it's gonna bite him in the butt because remember earlier she was like, "Don't mention him, don't talk about you know Luthen, don't none of this shit." But I think it I think it's pretty cool because they're all like, "Oh, okay," like it, it just. Well, like, why didn't you just say why so? Why didn't you just say that? Like she even says like, "Hey, you know, I was gonna like cancel this meeting. It was either to stop this whole uh, robbery and not do it, or we take Clem." And and so I think I mean he's still lying. His name is not actually Clem. You know, like, there's a lot of other stuff he's not telling them. But I think just him saying that is is good enough. Yep. I agree. So now we cut to Mon Mothma. Uh, I called her Mom Mothma because I thought that was funny. Um, but was Mom funny. Mothma uh, is in a car with her husband, and he's just, you know, being a dick, making her feel bad. I think this scene was more to emphasize her uncomfortableness around her family now like she's so isolated she can't even trust her husband she can't trust her kid um yep. i i definitely feel bad for her i think she when when you want to talk about like strong and powerful woman this woman is now isolated and alone and she is still kicking ass and still doing the job that she knows she needs to do and Absolutely. she is so fucking cool and it, yeah, I think it shows how strong and how just overall, like, leadership capabilities here. I wouldn't even say capabilities. She is leadership. Like, she knows what she's got to do, and it's sad. I think it's so sad that she's isolated, but I just think it's it's powerful to show Not her. Not for long. Yeah, she yeah, She won't yeah. be alone for no, long. No, I, I know, but, like, her family, you know? Like, she's sitting in this car with somebody she doesn't trust. Two people she doesn't trust because the driver, he keeps saying, like, oh, I don't remember the driver's name. What's the driver's name? And she's like, come on, you fucking know this, bro. Like, she knows it. Yep. Um, he asks her, like, three times during the episode, too. It's so annoying. But I just think, like, this is, I'm, I'm excited to see where her story goes, like, within the series. Because to be so isolated, and it's, it's sad to see. I want to I see her grow, and I don't necessarily think there's a problem with taking charge or, or, or a problem in terms of like her confidence level. But I think, I think it's, it'll be nice to see her like actually out in the open being confident and not having to worry. Absolutely. So we get to like the final scene that we get of the group and they're, they're sitting there, you know, chilling by the fire. Uh, they signal Gorn by waving a torch in the air. And then Skeen walks over to Clem and just like, all right, Vel wants me to tell you why I'm here. And uh, and there's such a weird paced scene, but I liked it because it was like, my brother died because of the Empire. They flooded his village, and when he protested, they murdered him. He explains like, yeah, so it was Pepper Farm, Pepper Trees, and my brother was so depressed that he just killed himself. Yep. And I think that vulnerability is pretty cool. Um, Well, and you notice too, like when, when I say like he says the Empire killed him, it's like, you know, he didn't, but I, I feel they did. Well, yeah, I mean, they drove him to, he lost everything. Yep. And and they beat the shit out of him. And like, they did, you know, like, that's, 
I don't know. I I, I think that's a pretty good little like <laughs> more um immature apology, but I I do think that it's a pretty it's it's a little juvenile. He but even I, says it, that too. He's like, good. "This is as close to an apology as you're yeah. gonna get from me." And Clem smiles and is like, "All right, cool." And they kind of like both smirk at each other. He's like, "All right, fine, my, I got you, bro." Because Clem says yep. earlier when he when he announces like I'm getting paid, he's like, "I'm not going into this type of situation with so little people, and like I'm not gonna risk dying. I don't want this shit to happen. I don't want to die." So. I fuck it. I, if I can't trust you, like if I if I have to look behind me as well as in front of me the whole time, it's not fucking worth it. So hi, here you go. Here's my situation. And I think that yep. like them opening up to each other, it helps you trust that person. What was really funny to me about this scene though was uh, they're waving the torch, and Val's like, "Okay, that's enough," and they just don't fucking stop. They just keep doing it, and I'm like, "What the hell? They won't stop? Why?" <laughs> she just says stop, and they like do it for a little bit in the scene. I'm like, "They just say stop. Cut, cut it out." So now the last scene we, we, we get, finally, he's been absent the entire episode, but we see Luthen. Thank God. So Luthen is in his office uh, in the back where he took Mon Mothma earlier in the other episode, and he's just listening for news and trying to figure out, like, has anything happened yet? Have they done anything yet? Have they been caught? Have, he's, he's like, I, I don't know if it's intercept. I think he's intercepting, right? I think so. I think he's, yeah, he's just trying to figure out like see any news yeah see if they've been captured yeah. see if it you know the heist has gone wrong anything yeah. he can so his assistant walks over and is like nothing is gonna happen tonight like you're just gonna stay up all night worrying go to bed relax they're not gonna do anything till tomorrow like just it's out of your hands you can't do anything and he just kind of sits there looks at the radio and it's just like all right fine and then he he just goes to bed. And with that, we come to the end of episode five. All right, guys, now that we've done our recap, we're going to do a quick ad break, and then we will get back with our overall thoughts. So stick around. Okay, thank you guys for listening to our ad break. And now we get to talk about how we felt about the episode. I guess I'll start. Um... This episode was a setup episode. It was definitely, uh, it gave us more context for the characters. They're trying to get you to care about them, which means most of them are going to die. <laughs> They're, this heist is not going to go right, and most of them are going to die. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, gonna, it's going to emphasize um, the whole pockets of fermentation are fermenting. <laughs> um Yep, I I I think it's gonna emphasize that they're right. Like it's not a randomized thing, and it's all planned. And those in in the security force, like they're gonna realize, oh shit, this is a lot, because this is like the biggest heist now. You know. Yep. So this has I, never I happened before. This I kind agree. Of has never happened before. Yeah, and and I agree. I think a couple people are gonna die, and then they're gonna find these. They're gonna have rebels that are dead, and they're gonna be like, okay, here you go. See, look. So I also think that, you know, it shows just the isolationism. This episode is a lot about isolationism. Uh, you know, Clem is isolated within the group. He feels isolated. And I, I will say he, he opens up a little bit and that that helps him. Um, I think, you know, Mon Mothma isolated. She's she she can't, you know, openly talk pretty much uh, around anybody but Luthen. Luthen, at the end, they even show him feeling isolated. He is alone. He can't help them. He can't do anything. Yep. 
Karn feels isolated. He's it's just him and mom is like this overbearing, like, you know, uh, 1984 watching him the entire time with all the scenes. She's been doing everything for him. She she's, you know, uh, feeding him all this like just she is the overbearing mother. Um, and, and so, yeah, I'm even, even, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Deanne, right? Deanna. Yeah. She is isolated within the security force. She, she can't get anything done. She's been told to, you know, sit back and, and, and be quiet. And in this episode, she's, she, she's trying to figure out her way to get, 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 uh, show that there's like this pattern and everything. And so she's, she's isolated. I, I, I think this whole episode was kind of about isolationism also because Gorn, you know, he he's also alone in 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 the base. Like it's him versus everybody. So I think the theme is you're alone, isolation, but then everybody also kind of has somebody for them. Karn also has his mom, even though she's overbearing and, and makes him feel isolated. He's not part of the the Empire really anymore. But he has somebody working for him. Gorn has that team that are working for him. Clem has the team that are now going to be working with him and Luthen has the team and his assistant, but he just, he's just not there. He can't, so, and, and also, uh, Deanna also has her assistant. So I think they're isolated, but also they do have at least one person. Yeah, exactly. They have someone to lean on. Yeah. Yeah. So there are some quotes that we wrote down. Um, yes. the, there are, some of them are long. Um, so bear with us when we say them, but they're, there is a pretty cool uh, concept within the majority of them. I, I think I'll start with my favorite one, which was uh, the axe forgets, but the tree remembers. I like that a lot. I was like, hey, you know, the, the force of oppression, you know, never remembers their misdeeds, but the oppressed do. Yeah, Skeen, Skeen's pretty cool. Uh, Skeen's he, great. He's, he's not trusting, of course, but that guy's a badass. You could tell. Yep. He's going to die trusting Andor is what's going to happen. Oh, no. Yep. The other one um, uh, that I liked from uh, from Luthen, uh, well, it was it was a combination of Luthen and his assistant, where it said, uh, "It will all be over this time tomorrow," and Luthen goes, "Or it will just be starting." And I was like, "Ooh, yeah, yeah, that's, ooh, that's a good quote." I mean, I, I don't think that one really needs to be explained. No, either the rebellion or this this rebellion is being squashed, or it's just getting started. I have a feeling too that like this is gonna be the. This is this is going to be the one heist that actually starts funding the rebellion properly. I think so. This is like, yeah, this is going to be there cuz it an, it's an entire sector's payroll. Like yeah, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot of money. So the next quote is Karn's mom in the first scene. She's she's talking to Karn and she says, "You're slouching." Is that how you've been presenting yourself to the world? It would explain a great deal. Being a leader isn't something one just turns on and off. By the time you've remembered to sit up straight, it's too late. Now, I don't necessarily think she's it's been like, talking. Mom, I'm sad. What do you mean? <laughs> now, I don't think she's just been addressing like, hey, you're slouching. You're presenting yourself as, you know, this sloucher. Like, I think the biggest part about this quote is she is seeing that, hey, you're presenting yourself as a failure. You're presenting yourself as this person that can just be pushed around. You need to show them that you're a leader. It's yep. not, not going to be something you're going to be able to turn on and off. But like she said, she goes, by the time you sit up straight, it's going to be too late. So by the time you gain this confidence or by the time you portray yourself as a leader, 
it's going to be too late and everybody's going to bypass you and you're going to be too old or whatever. I think this was actually a lot more, uh, that's had a lot more meaning behind it than just, hey, sit up straight. Yep. Now, the next couple quotes are by Nemeth, the kid who made the, um, the model kit. This kid is really smart. I love this kid. It's going to be a shame that this kid is probably going to die. Oh, he's dead. <laughs> it, it makes me so sad because this kid is like writing the manifesto for the rebellion. It's, it's great. Um, this is when Skeen and uh, Cassian, or sorry, <clears throat> Clem, are talking about like, why are you into this? Not, not uh, when he's got no shirt on. It's, it's when um, they're kind of just sitting down like quizzing each other as to why did you want to do this rebellion kind of thing. The first one, uh, this kid says, we've grown reliant on Imperial tech. And we've made ourselves vulnerable. There's a growing list of things we've known and forgotten. Things they've pushed us to forget. Things like freedom. I think that's really cool because it, he gets it. This kid gets the fact that, hey, they've been, you know, making it so we just forget what it was like. I mean, the Empire hasn't been around for that long right now. What, like it's been like 10, 12 years? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, to forget that quickly what freedom is like, I think it shows that the Empire is doing a good job of their propaganda shit. There are still some that haven't forgotten and cling to that. And they don't, you know, they don't eat what they're being fed by the Empire. And by saying we've grown too reliant on Imperial tech, I think it shows how the Empire has entrenched itself into everything that everybody does. Absolutely. So now he then says another quote a couple sentences later. He says, so much going wrong, so much to say, and all of it happening so quickly. The pace of repression outstrips our ability to understand it. And that is the real trick of the Imperial thought machine. It's easier to hide behind 40 atrocities than a single incident. I Holy love that. Sh- yeah, that's such a good quote. Oh man, because he's right. I mean, you know, it's it's a, it's it's a play on that that famous Stalin quote. You know, one death is a tragedy, a million is a statistic. Yeah, yeah. Plus, the pace of repression outstrips our ability to understand it. Holy shit! Yeah, yep. he's going to die <laughs> real good. I'm so upset. So upset. The next sentence they say is, "Our elemental rights are such a simple thing to hold." They will have to shake the galaxy hard to loosen our grip. Ho, woo, woo, woo. Space Karl Marx. Seriously, this kid is great. I, I want to like analyze this whole thing. nothing to lose but our space chains. Yeah, I, I, I want to analyze this whole thing like crazy, but I probably would be here for uh, an hour. This, this kid gets it. And I think nobody talks about these kinds of philosophical thought process. Like when it comes to... Um, when it comes to like the rebellion, obviously, like they're they're kind of like all over the place. I'm not gonna say if anybody has specifically started working together. Like I I think they're still separate, possibly. Like all these little organizations. So, so I can answer that. There, um, this is actually during uh, this is set at the same time that Star Wars Rebels mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. So we know there is a loose uh alliance running around. You know, there's Saul Guerrero's partisans. There's the Ghost Crew. Uh, yeah. Jan Dundana's rebels are running around. So, like, there is sects that have started to communicate, but mm-hmm. the larger organization is yet to be formed. 
And I think that the philosophical aspect of it hasn't brought everybody together. And I think this kid will definitely die. But I think the manifesto that this kid is coming up with, I think it's going to help bring everybody together. Yep. Now, again, the the last quote from him, he says uh, he's holding up this this uh, piece of old tech that Clem is kind of commenting on, like, why aren't you using the newer stuff? And he's like, well, that's Imperial shit. Like, that's why, why when he was saying earlier, like, hey, you know, like, this is we, we've been relying on this. This is older tech, but it's it is reliable. You can fix it. And once you fix it, you're free. And so he's holding up that and then his book that he's been writing of basically yep. the manifesto. And he's holding both up and he's comparing them. And he says, right here, fresh inspiration. Two seemingly random objects. And yet this charts an astral path. And this maps the trail of political consciousness. Both (laughs) systems based on truth. Both navigating toward clear and achievable outcomes. And then gets interrupted because Clem has to now go in and talk about how the freighter doesn't work. He's he's been drinking too much Dray milk. Dude, this kid is brilliant. Like... (laughs) I I really don't want them to this, die. This kid is every every guy that I ran into in college who was studying philosophy as a major. All right. You know, I don't need that insult. <laughs> I don't need that. I don't need that. Political theory was fun. I enjoyed it. <laughs> the, you, you, Kevin, you should study a practical degree like I did. Film. Hey, I did study film as well. Okay. <laughs> I needed oh, no. a practical degree as well. <laughs> now, the last quote is... Gorn talking about uh, the, the airfield and all that stuff and, and the event. It's when Gorn is on the top of the dam. And yes, with, with Nick Blood. Yeah, and so he says... Knows uh, that guy's actual name. He says to Gorn, he's like, can you imagine this place with a couple of thousands of them? Like the smell and all that stuff. And, and Gorn just... Yeah, Gorn's just like, yes, I can. And that's it right there. Just, yes, I can. And it just shows how mad he is because his, his face too, he's just like fucking pissed. And I yeah, think well, because this guy probably doesn't know that Gorn used to love a local girl. Yeah, like, yep, 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 yep. You know, he has a great love for the people on this planet, which is which you know is part of the reason why he was so upset about the all that trash being on the on the monument. Yep, he does he does yell. So earlier we saw Gorn yelling at them uh, about uh, at, at some officers, junior officers. I guess. Yeah, junior officers because they they just trashed one of the monuments in the middle of the old river, and he like yells at them and is like, "Clean this shit up." So, yeah, I think it shows that he is, um, I think it's a great way to show how mad he is because it's also right after you find out about why he's so mad. So it's, it's, it's good. I, I, I just thought that just, yes, I can, the way it was said, mm-hmm. a simple quote. Yeah, I, I think it was good. That was fantastic. All right, Kevin, we're getting towards the end here. Do you have any questions for this last episode? Um, I want to know if I'm correct on the money. I want to know if I am right where, you know, are they going to use this to fund the rebellion properly? I mean, I think that's implied. Yes, I, I, I do. Uh, but you never, you never know. Um, I want to know where I can buy this cereal and blue milk that, uh, Karn was eating. Because... Yeah, you told me they posted on the Star Wars Instagram like how to make yeah. uh, the cereal bars. Yeah, and they had like these like cool marshmallows and shit on the Instagram. I thought it was cool. Um, Give me the blue cereal, Disney. Where is it? <laughs> yeah, right. I I do want to know what's going on with Karn. I want to know like who is Uncle Harlow. What's going on with that? I'm I'm very curious in that. I don't like I... Karn. I don't like Karn. I have a different thought process of why he is the way he is. I kind of had an idea when I saw his mom get like, you know, when she hit him in the other episode, 
So I definitely have an idea. I I know that they're trying to make this where it's like, oh, I want you to to feel for Karn. Eh, sure, okay, whatever. But I want to know more about like who is Uncle Harlow. I think that we are going to learn. I think that Karn is going to be brought right back into the story as soon as the heist goes off. I bet they're going to catch Andor on like a security camera, you know, see his face, and they're going to be like. Hey, that's the guy that the, the Karn tried to stop. Oh, Karn, we were so wrong. We should have known this was a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I could even see Uncle Harlow giving him like a promotion and like making him an Imperial officer, which is what mm. Karn's always wanted. Okay, okay. And like, you know, setting him up for like, hey, you're the anti Karn guy now, or the anti Andor guy now. <laughs> the like, anti Karn, anti Andor. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like, uh, just, oh, fuck, what's the name of the movie? The Scorsese movie? Where they're trying to hunt each other down, trying to find oh, the rat. Um, oh, the departed. The it's depart. going to be the departed. The, no, in no, no, space. no, no, no. You got to say it right. It's the departed. The departed in space. <laughs> yeah, I, but that, those are more of the questions that I have. I'd like to, I'd like to just you know know more about those backstories. I, I, I said it the other episode. I want to know what the CG is going to be like. I'd love to see it. I'm very curious. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if the the previous characters from Ferrex are going to come back into play after the heist too. I think like them knowing Andor's involved, I think they're all going to get a fresh round of interrogations from Imperial Service now, not those incompetent security guys. Okay, yeah, I would I would agree with that. I want to know what's going on on Ferrex though too, actually, because we see them kind of setting up everything, uh, just in a brief scene, very very brief. So I yep. want to know like is is you know. Marva okay? It, it was just so we could, just so they could suggest that we're going back. Like, hey, yeah, we haven't forgotten yeah. about Ferrix. Yeah. And I, I'm really just curious about where the Imperial storyline is going because it feels very loose. But again, I think this heist is pivotal because I think this heist will set up the Imperials getting more involved. I guarantee we're going to see Andor looking real silly in a security camera picture. Yeah. And that's going to set everything in motion. And I think that this, again, I loved this episode, but I feel like it could have been squished in with the previous episode just a little bit. Yeah. So, final thoughts. What do you think? I liked it. Um, We're going to get into the action here in the next episode, I assume. And I think that will be like a mid-season hook to keep everyone interested and involved. Yeah. I think... um, I th- I think for going further, I I don't know what's to, I don't know what's to come after the heist. That's what I think I'm yeah. excited about. I'm excited to see the heist, but I'm excited to see what what comes afterwards because something's got to happen to make uh, Andor slash Clem stick around. You know, he's got to. So, but, but I think the hook for that is going to be everyone fucking dying. Oh no, he's like the only one I, who survives. Oh yeah, watch him be the only one that makes it out, and he like feels real bad because they all like. I although I, I I hate to say this but like I don't think they I know they were trying to like establish familiar, familiarity between him and the crew but like I don't think he's got that solid of a, of a relationship with them yet but I don't who knows maybe in this maybe in this episode that'll change this coming episode mm-hmm. I think um overall the episode is great I I I have notes you know like like I said some of it was it was kind of boring um and not in like the normal Star Wars politics boring way that it can be. But I just think like some of the scenes felt either dragged a little bit on or it was just like they brushed upon things that you wanted them to talk about more, like Gorn's backstory yep. and stuff. Yeah, I, it was fine. Um, 
nothing crazy. I, I I think that one scene, you know, with that we quoted basically the whole scene. That was that was great. I I I loved it. I thought the that was the fun Star Wars philosophical stuff that I I really enjoyed. It did feel somewhat Jedi esque in turn. I think that kid's a Force user. I don't know. I I. I I have a feeling that that kid is force sensitive. You're putting way too much, way too much emphasis on a kid who is going to die horribly. But that's the point, you know. We build up these characters that we're so excited about, and then they just die because everybody dies. Ultimately, so, we're building so a whole this- show on Andor, Cassie and Andor, who we know dies in a Death Star fucking like explosion. You need to start thinking of this less as Star Wars and more as Game of Thrones. All right. Well, so everybody's gonna die. So everyone's going to die, and they're going to die horribly because their name is not Skywalker or Solo. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, overall, I'm excited. I want to see this. Heist. I am too. I do. This heist is going to be a lot I'm, of fun. I am worried that somebody is going to betray somebody. Now that would be interesting. I mean, Skeen being a, a traitor all along would be interesting. I, I'm, I'm under the thought process now that like everything is going to go so smoothly it's going to go too smoothly you know random but too random like that's how i'm feeling i'm like okay this is going to be going great everything's going to be going really well for them and then something's going to happen and cassie and clem clem is going to be the reason why they you know actually pull it off and like that's the whole thing like luthan was right and yada yada like i i think it's Uh, it it, It feels predictable, but hey, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. And with that, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at lore underscore party. Once again, thank you so much for listening. We will catch you on the next one.